there. Welcome to Did I Talk Too Much, a Grit podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Grit's podcast titled Did I Talk Too Much? Today, we have a very special episode. We're going to talk about women's health, um, both physical and mental. Um, And I'd like to welcome onto our show today um, two lovely guests, Sophia Kim and Dr. Hawking. Thank you guys for being here. Hello. Happy to be here. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Well, I would love for you guys to tell me a little bit about yourselves, um, things like how did you get into healthcare, what's your specialties, and um, what's your job description here at the Biola Health Center? I can start. Okay. So my name is uh, Dr. Hawking, Tamara Hawking, and I went into medicine actually to do women's health because in many parts of the world, women are very underserved and aren't allowed to be seen or attended to by male physicians so that was kind of my driving passion Mm. for going to medical school but um, God had other plans and I am now at Biola Mm -hmm. and I've been here for about 25 years. Wow. My specialty is actually internal medicine but here at the health center we kind of do a little bit of everything Mm. so I love my job I love uh, this age group and Mm -hmm. so glad to be here. Okay, lovely. What is like one thing you wish Biola students knew about the health center that they might not know? That anyone who's an enrolled student, even with one class, can be seen at the health center for free. Okay, great. That's awesome. I'll include a link to the um, health center's Mm. website um, in our episode description so we can get people plugged in. Yeah. Cool. So my name is Sophia. I am a nurse practitioner. I started off uh, in nursing as a regular bedside nurse uh, Mm -hmm. in 2009. So I've been a nurse for a while. um, And I went back to school to get my family nurse practitioner degree Mm -hmm. in family practice, thinking I was going to go into missions. Um, Thought that was a very general um, field to go into to care for people um, overseas. Mm -hmm. And again, got other plans. So uh, I worked for a couple of years in the urgent care setting, and then I felt very called. That was in the East Coast, so I felt called to come out to California and attend Talbot for the School of uh, Spiritual Formation and Soul Care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to that program, graduated in the height of the pandemic in 2020, became a spiritual director on campus. And then just recently, I um, finished out a psychiatric and mental health certification um, program where I can get psychiatric and mental health certified. Mm-hmm. So I also work now as a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner at campus as well Mm -hmm. so um, I've been at Biola this is my sixth year um, being at Biola so I've been here for a while now and Mm -hmm. I really enjoy my job Um, I love working with the college-age students and I think one of the my most favorite things is just having a front row seat to watching emerging adulthood like Mm -hmm. like young young people becoming adults and I think that's really fun so Mm -hmm. we are honored to be a part of that journey so yeah so Sophia you have like a lot of experience caring for people holistically both physically and spiritually can Mm -hmm. you say a little bit more about that yeah um I think when I first started off as a nurse without my soul care background Mm -hmm. it was very physical symptoms everything was very compartmentalized and just kind of caring for people um and just what they brought physically Mm -hmm. but I think with my training in the spiritual formation and soul care program I realized how much the care of the soul bled into Mm -hmm. my care for the body and realizing oh our mind and our soul is encased in this physical body Mm -hmm. and so really um, we need to care for the totality of 
of who people are. And so um, finding that when I do that with my patients, there's so much more um, care that's given so much more holistically um, mm-hmm. and care that's given in all those areas because they all connect and they all affect each other. Um, if you're feeling sick, you're not going to feel mentally great and yeah. if you're feeling um uh, you know depressed or anxious and might you might have some somatic physical symptoms in your body so mm-hmm. yeah this all connected and so I, I love being able to care for people in the totality of who they are yeah 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 that's beautiful mm-hmm. I w- was wondering what do you think has been um like as a woman in the healthcare system um or healthcare industry, mm-hmm. um, what's been the biggest challenge for you? Has um, being a woman at all been like a barrier or something that's been um, like a challenge for you as you've pursued this passion of yours? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really ran into a lot of, haven't run into a lot of obstacles uh, being a woman, I feel like being a Christian in this day and age is a lot bigger of a barrier. Mm-hmm. I know in medical school and then again in residency, pretty worldly environments. So um, I don't think my womanhood was a barrier as much as my faith. Mm-hmm. Sophia? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's like any profound or pronounced like Mm-hmm. things that can come right on top of my head. I think maybe because my experience as a nurse is a very, nursing is very mm-hmm. a women-heavy right. field. So there's a lot of women who are nurses who are nurse practitioners. So I think in that space, I feel very known and seen and, mm-hmm. and heard. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe um, as a young nurse with my interactions with doctors and yeah. male doctors and maybe yes. feeling like, can, should I speak up for this patient or will mm-hmm. I be taken seriously or will they, um, you know, will they just kind of shoo me away if I have a concern? So I think that Mm-hmm. come up a few times mm-hmm. as a bedside nurse in like a large teaching hospital and the the fear of the the male authority figure mm-hmm. in the especially in the attendees and the doctors yeah yes I guess that does remind me that mm-hmm. especially as a medical student I was young I'm you can't see me on the podcast but I'm very short mm-hmm. and I look very young so and again it medicine is still pretty much a male dominated uh, role especially mm-hmm. in an academic center so I did get called you know the little girl doctor or Uh, whatever so that was hard at times Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um thank you for sharing your experiences we've been talking a lot about um at grit a lot about different like women in the workplace Mm -hmm. um ideas and we've been realizing that it's so different just depending on what field you're in Mm -hmm. like um we have a a student who or a student on our team who is in CMA. And the film world for a woman is really different than um, the medical world or mm-hmm. the, the journalism world. Mm-hmm. So um, it's always cool to hear different, like, um, different experiences mm-hmm. um, from professionals. So thank you for sharing. And mm-hmm. well, I just want to go ahead and introduce our topic for today um, and talk a little bit about why we think this is an important thing for us to be talking about here at GRIT. Um, just this, this topic of women's mental and physical health, um, how they're intertwined, and how for a long time it's been neglected, um, how it's our experiences have been pushed aside in a lot of ways. Um, if we think back to how historically women with mental health issues have been treated, um, I'm an English major and we just read the yellow wallpaper in my um, English class, which is basically a woman suffering postpartum depression gets put on a rest cure and she is mm. locked up in her room. Mm. Um, 
and called crazy and eventually she does go insane and so thinking about those like historic examples and we want to remedy those like disparities um we don't want women to be in the dark about their bodies we don't women want women to feel alone in their struggles um with either physical health um, reproductive health or mental health um and so that's why we here at Grit thought it was so valuable to have health professionals come in and just ask them some questions that we have. Um, there's just such a lack of even basic education around um, our bodies. We did a we did our episode on periods not too long ago and realized with people sharing their anonymous period stories. Um, how some some girls when they got their period didn't even know what was going on mm-hmm. um, and kind of had to figure things out on their own um, which we don't see as something that's super valuable um, or helpful to our flourishing um, so just want to say thank you again for being on here and I'll go ahead and get started with um, some of the questions that the grit team's prepared for you so where um, in your experience in your field of research has there been a um, historic lack of education um, around the female body well I think it really depends on the home you grow up in Mm. some Women, mothers are very comfortable introducing the topic at a young age. Um, They feel comfortable with their own bodies, and Mm -hmm. so then they in turn can help their daughters feel comfortable with their bodies. But if the mother herself, you know, has some issues around her femininity Mm -hmm. or her her body, then she's probably not going to be a great teacher for her daughter. So that's one gap that can occur. And really, schools have supposedly, um, you know, been called on to do sex education, but that's really a poor mm-hmm. way of, I think, teaching women. You know, you're in a mixed classroom usually. Yeah. You know, what if you're sick that day that they're talking about periods, mm-hmm. and then you miss the whole thing? Um, so I think that's been also another gap mm-hmm. in in education. Mm-hmm. So there's something. Um, generational almost about um this ignorance Mm -hmm. like um yeah and you would argue maybe that the best kind of education takes place in the home and takes place among community i think so and then the other thing i was going to add is that young women kind of need different levels of information at Mm -hmm. different stages Mm -hmm. like when you're 10 or you know you need to know the basics of menstruation Mm -hmm. so you're not shocked when that happens (laughs) you know then maybe when you're a little older you might learn about PMS and then when you're a little older you need to learn about fertility and where in the cycle am I most fertile or Mm -hmm. what can I do for contraception or you know if you if a woman comes in and she's never been sexually active and she's going to get married and has questions about her own anatomy, then again, that's another level of education. So sometimes it can kind of come little by little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think just to add to that, um, I think there's been a lack of education just generally about like what is normal and what is not mm-hmm. normal mm-hmm. with women. I think um, particularly 
like among also we see male doctors there's more male doctors than male physicians out there so i think sometimes they are not even aware of what is normal what is not normal because they're not experiencing that as well and um they're they don't know what it's like to have cramps or to experience pms symptoms and um to experience certain things and so i think um that whole idea of like what is abnormal what is causing dysfunction what is um normal Mm -hmm. kind of a period um so i think just even that basic knowledge of like Mm -hmm. is this something i needed to get checked out further or is it something that i can just wait out and be okay with um, yeah, I think there's great. been that lack of yeah. education of like, mm-hmm. what is normal, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a common mm-hmm. question we get at the health center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, is this is this thing I'm experiencing yes. normal? Yes. Or yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, I think with women's health, it's pretty. It's very personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's generally yeah. more private, and so yeah. you're not as likely to know what is right. just your experience right. and mm-hmm. is abnormal or yeah. if it's oh everybody feels Everyone this has way that. exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah um mm-hmm. i like as a teenage girl like there have been so many conversations where someone has brought up um like oh i experienced this symptom and th- they think that everybody else is experiencing it mm-hmm. and everybody is like no <laughs> you need to get that checked out <laughs> friends who would just casually be like oh yeah i haven't um haven't got my period in four months i don't know what that's about mm-hmm. and you're like oh yeah <laughs> that's not normal <laughs> um yeah um yeah i like what she said um so if we're gonna kind of go through like basic education i would love for you guys to take us through um the menstrual cycle like mm-hmm. um explain different um the different weeks and like what's going on in your body because there are so many women who don't even know that it's a whole month-long process they mm-hmm. just know that once a month they bleed and that's it so i'd love for you guys to kind of go through that for our listeners yeah. I'll let doctor take that away. All right. right. (laughs) Okay. So I wish you could all see a little visual aid that I always show my students. Sophia and I both carry this little, uh, little visual aid. So basically your cycle is on the average about 28 days. So again, that varies. It can vary and that can still be normal. You call day zero or day day zero of your cycle when you start bleeding. So your complete cycle is from day zero. You bleed, you have your other weeks and then again back to day zero your first day of bleeding so you don't count like when a doctor asks you how long is your cycle you don't count from like the end of your period to the beginning of the next period you start from beginning to beginning so that's day zero your first week is really then um, your bleeding week so that's like days maybe one to five one to seven the first couple days you're going to probably feel crummy that's when you might have cramps Mm -hmm. or other symptoms Um, but then by the end of that week you're feeling better and then by the second week you're feeling really good because you're finished bleeding your hormones your estrogen and progesterone are kind of at a low level so that's kind of the sweet spot that second week most women feel pretty good day 14 so that's mid-cycle is when you ovulate so the egg is released from the ovary because of a spike in a different hormone luteinizing hormone Um, so that kind of triggers the second half of your period week three is when that um, as that progesterone level kind of begins to rise and then by day 21 
your progesterone level is at the very peak. Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning of when PMS starts. So I always tell women these PMS symptoms, it's not just something in your head or that you're imagining, it's really based in the physiology of your body based on these hormonal peaks and valleys. So when your progesterone is high, that's when you have all of your PMS symptoms. So again, those can last from a couple days to a week in a normal cycle. And then week four is when kind of when your flow is happening and um, you have those PMS symptoms of skin changes, appetite changes, irritability, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So so it is a whole month of, of activity in your yeah. ovaries and even in your brain. Your brain has a lot mm -hmm. to do with your menstrual cycle. So that's why stress can affect your menstrual cycle or even mm -hmm. a time zone change can affect your menstrual cycle because it's affecting your brain, which triggers the ovaries, which triggers all these other hormones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So our reproductive health is really essential to yeah. our overall health and flourishing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's a good reminder that it's an ongoing thing that mm -hmm. this is like every month we have these peaks and valleys of different hormonal levels going up and going down mm -hmm. and stabilizing. And so imagine like kind of the thing that's going on inside mm -hmm. of us. That's a lot. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and then of course, every woman has an individualized experience mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, that is individualized to them. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What um what does this 28 day cycle look like post menopause? Is it um, does it follow a lot of the same patterns or like perimenopause or yeah about to enter menopause? Yeah, I don't know. Just okay, so perimenopause is the the usually maybe up to four years where a woman's body is kind of going through the the change. They call it the change. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that's when basically the ovaries are not producing as much estrogen. So you're not having those peaks and valleys mm -hmm. um, because your ovaries are not producing them. So mm -hmm. you um, have different symptoms. That's when you might get hot flashes or other, other symptoms really from your lack of estrogen. Um, and then kind of you have this kind of weird quasi state of of menstruation um, and then you stop altogether having your period mm -hmm. for some women they just have a normal cycle and then they stop and they're done and it's no big deal mm -hmm. some women they start bleeding really heavily during that perimenopausal time okay. um, so it really that really varies from woman to woman okay and just saying I think there's a lack of knowledge too that I think people just think like, oh, a period when you're 11, 12, 13, this is what you mm -hmm. get. And then mm -hmm. we don't really talk about what happens when you're 40, 45, mm -hmm. 50, 60. Right. But there's a whole nother cycle of things that our body goes through yes. before it finally stops mm -hmm. <laughs> around 60-ish right. or 55, 60-ish. Right. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And it's just good to know what, what to expect yes. later For on. For your listeners, their mothers are going through that other right. stage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So we just covered the general like menstrual cycle. And Sophia, you had mentioned before that sometimes there is a kind of challenge of trying to know what's normal and mm -hmm. what's not normal. Mm -hmm. um, so for our listeners, what do you think are the most common things that people um, come in thinking, oh, this part of my menstrual cycle is normal, mm -hmm. but it's actually not, and mm -hmm. it's more of a warning sign of something mm -hmm. um, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. 
I think one of the biggest indicators would be that I always look for when I ask students is, um, or patients is dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So if this symptom, like if you're having really bad cramping that you can't get out of bed, you can't, you're passing out or mm-hmm. you are unable to engage in your classes or work and you're missing three to four days or mm-hmm. um, that would be abnormal because it's causing dysfunction in your normal everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're having PMS or um, PMS symptoms that are so bad where you're so irritable or moody or angry that is causing dysfunction in your relationships mm. or, you know, those kinds of things. So I think I, I work for the look for dysfunction. Um, and if there's like that pattern when it happens during the period or mm-hmm. during the, the menstruation time. But I think if there's this very, um, yeah, like that dysfunction that happens with everyday things that you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. um, and you can't get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have anything to add, Dr. Hawking? No, I think that was great. That was perfect. Yeah. I um, I feel like sometimes there's this attitude towards, like, um, menstruation, like, when it gets dysfunctional, mm-hmm. that you just kind of have to tough it out mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. keep going, um, which I think is probably a pretty dangerous message. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you feel like that's still pervasive in our culture today? I think so. Yeah, yeah, and I think some girls or women, um, they're very hesitant to mm-hmm. talk about those things. And mm-hmm. you only know your own experience. Like mm-hmm. a common question that I have to ask when I'm doing a menstrual history is, like, how heavy is your flow? Mm-hmm. You know, like light, moderate, or heavy. Well, each woman only knows her own experience. Right. So how do I know it? Mm-hmm. this is just normal for me, even though I bleed through a pad every hour for seven days? Well, that's mm-hmm. clearly not normal for most women. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that that just takes some education mm-hmm. and some vulnerability on their part to right. be able to talk mm-hmm. about those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you are a Biola student and you're listening and you're thinking, oh man, yeah, things are pretty dysfunctional, um, go to the link and get an appointment with the health center yes. and get it checked out. Like You do not have to just keep toughening it out by mm-hmm. yourself. Um, and there are ways that you can flourish like you don't have to be a um I don't know you don't have to be a, a slave to mm-hmm. this and um yeah you have control yeah and there are good treatments and good mm-hmm. recommendations that mm-hmm. that are out there and mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. yeah um so one thing I wanted to go into a little bit more is kind of the more mental brain side of um the menstrual cycle um a when we were brainstorming this um, podcast episode with our GRIT team, a lot of us were talking about how we experience um, mood swings and Mm -hmm. feeling a little bit just kind of out of control of our emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not something that you can really help because it's just, it's hormone levels in my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I'm crying now and I don't know how to stop and, Mm -hmm. um, or I'm like really angry right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask, like, when are mood swings too much? Yeah, well, I think mood swings can be too much when you're noticing a pattern of interpersonal conflicts. Mm. So you're there's a consistent pattern of 
man, I'm having a lot of drama with these people mm. or conflicts or arguments or irritability with these people that's causing, you know, issues with their relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you notice the, the mood where you're so depressed that you can't get out of bed mm. um, or you're feeling so anxious that you are unable to, again, function yeah. <laughs> and doing your daily activities or going to class or doing doing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I would say if you're starting to feel when you're starting to feel like this is too much and you're starting to feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. and out of control yourself mm-hmm. I think a good reminder for like mood swings and emotions um, I like to tell my students is you are not your emotions mm-hmm. and you are not your feelings I think in the moment we feel this is so permanent and this mm-hmm. is like who I am I am this angry person or mm-hmm. I am this irritable person and we often forget how fleeting emotions mm-hmm. and feelings are right. um, that it is not permanent and is not um, something that we're going to always be like this mm-hmm. but usually it's pretty passing and I feel like most people for the most part after a couple of days they you know it kind of mm-hmm. eases off or right. something else happens and they're focused on that and so um, a big thing I like to remind my students you're not your emotions and this doesn't mean that we villainize the emotions or the feelings mm-hmm. I think those are still as valid as they can be mm-hmm. when you're experiencing mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. have space for that um, but maybe have space in, in ways that may be healthy so maybe finding coping skills that are healthy like journaling or mm-hmm. talking to a trusted friend or therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> or going to the BCC drop-in hours mm-hmm, or yeah. spiritual direction, those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I think again, uh, when emotions are too much, when it's affecting these different areas mm-hmm. of our life and we're seeing, yeah, um, yeah like an eff- effect that happens. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a little sad during your PMS time mm-hmm. um, or, or down or discouraged mm-hmm. or, you know, but you're handling it. You're you're going to class. You're just maybe a little more quiet. You realize mm-hmm. I'm not just I'm not as interactive as I normally mm-hmm. am. I mean that's safe and that's functional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's you know destroying relationships month after month, mm-hmm. that's dysfunctional and mm-hmm. then yeah. abnormal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even for I like for me personally, just knowing that. Um, it's not necessarily my fault (laughs) is really helpful. It's Mm -hmm. like, um, personally, like I get a little more sad right Mm -hmm. before my period Mm -hmm. and it's helpful. Like I feel like this and, um, for some reason, a, a month is a long enough time for me to forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm probably premenstrual, mm-hmm. and then I, I'll, you check your period app, and you're like, okay, like this is, Fine. yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I, this is just how yes. I'm feeling right now, yes. and yes. it will progesterone talking. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it'll definitely pass. So, segueing into, we just talked about mood swings. Segueing into, in general, how. Um, how are the most obvious ways that our physical health is linked with our mental health? Because I think, um, for me at least, learning about physical and mental health, I saw them as kind of disconnected. Mm. But um, more and more, I've been learning that they're way more connected they're than we all think. Connected, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, what what do you have to say about that? Yeah. So I guess I can answer that with like a, a very common scenario that I get at the health center. Mm-hmm. Um, complete a uh, chief complaint complaint of someone coming in with like a headache mm. nausea for three months or mm. neck pain for three months or 
uh, diarrhea, heart palpitations, chest pain for six months, three months. Um, so when someone like that comes in, um, as a usually they come in my family practice site, I'll do a full medical workup. Mm-hmm. I never want to miss out that any of these physical symptoms could be medically related in terms of like thyroid issues, anemia, maybe they have a heart condition, mm-hmm. or maybe they have migraines, and that's just something that we need to take care of. But when that is all said and done, all those tests are done, I send them to all the specialists, everything's clear, everything's negative, um, but they're still experiencing those symptoms, I often will say, all right, I think it's time for you to come get connected to the psych- psychiatric side, mm-hmm. <laughs> to the psych side. And so I've often referred people back to myself, and Dr. Hawking <laughs> referred people back to me. Um, when everything's negative and clear and quote-unquote normal, um, medically we say, okay, let's look at the psychiatric aspect of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then often, you know, as I start asking questions and start doing my initial intake, it's like, oh yeah, actually I've been having anxiety anxiety for a year. I've been Mm -hmm. having um, problems sleeping, problems eating. I don't have, um, I feel isolated. I have social anxiety. Um, And I think a lot of people don't realize that that stress and anxiety that we are experiencing has to go somewhere in our Mm -hmm. body. So oftentimes we'll see it in the neck with neck neck pain or headaches or, and then our gut, which is one of the most sensitive organs in our body, Mm -hmm. um, will get the diarrhea, the constipation, the acid reflux that kind of flares up. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes uh, I'll see patients who once we manage the anxiety whether it's through therapy or medication a lot of those somatic symptoms or those physical symptoms tend to resolve or get a lot better because Mm -hmm. we're actually managing the the psychiatric part of it and so um if we're not expressing i think our stress or anxiety or our low mood or depression in verbal ways or in therapy or in ways that we're letting it out of our body it's going to find its way somewhere in Mm -hmm. our body and that's what i believe so um whether it's a headache for years or you know some sort of backache that you've been having Mm -hmm. so again it's all very connected Mm -hmm. um and again i think we often forget our soul their mind is encased in this physical body so it's going to all be connected um you know one affects the other Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah i usually if i'm seeing someone and doesn't really seem like it's a physical issue but they're having physical symptoms Mm -hmm. and i hold up three fingers and i kind of wrap them around each other and i say you know where we are physical mental and spiritual Mm -hmm. and they're all twisted together so you have to kind of tease those apart sometime to figure out Mm -hmm. you know is this um sleep issue that i'm having is it a physical issue Mm -hmm. or is it an emotional issue Mm -hmm. is it a spiritual issue so I really love working at the health center here because you can freely talk about those things, mm-hmm. which I, yeah. you don't always have that freedom at other medical centers. Yeah. So it's great. And I feel like at the Biola Health Center, we do have um, the ability to address all those different issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm so thankful that we have Sophia here now, just an expert in mental health issues with medications and diagnosing. Mm. Um, we have drop-in counseling. We also have the Biola Counseling Center. So again, we can, at least for me personally, I don't have that psychiatric training. So it's really comforting to know, okay, let me address the medical part. Let me rule out some things that it could be physically. But if I really sense that it's an emotional problem, then I have someone I can refer to. Yeah. I think that's wonderful how you guys are caring for people so holistically and that um, this has been a good place for you guys Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, I definitely, I I bet that is pretty, pretty rare to find a place where you can. Yes. You're like, someone comes in saying like, oh, I have 
I have stomach aches all the time and you can ask them like how how's your relationship with God mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> absolutely that has happened um, yeah in our in our appointments yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And not all students are open to that, so it takes sensitivity to know, Mm -hmm. you know, if they come in with their one issue and that's what they want to talk about, then we respect that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. So kind of coming from your experience working mostly with college students Mm -hmm. um, and thinking grit is a women's resource, so I wanted to ask, what are the um, mental health issues that are most common in our demographic? Yeah, that's a good one. I think what I see most often right now is depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, and social anxiety. Okay. Um, and I think the social anxiety, I think we everyone has a little bit of anxiety when we, you know, especially if you're introverted or mm-hmm. not used to being with a lot of people. I think everyone yeah. has a little sprinkling mm-hmm. of that. But mm-hmm. I think um, there's a little bit more pronounced social anxiety. And I think there's a few factors with that. I think there's, I think it's easier now to be isolated because we can entertain ourselves with mm-hmm. social media and yeah. YouTube and Instagram and all that. And it's easier to not, we can feel that loneliness mm-hmm. or isolation with other things a lot more easily. And um, so it's harder to get engaged with people. And then I, I do, I talk with about this with Dr. Hawking a lot, but I do think that the pandemic um, has really exacerbated and magnified the mental health um, crisis that we were already at um, mm-hmm. prior to the pandemic. Um, but I think that made the social anxiety worse because for about three-ish years, many of us um, were home and mm-hmm. we weren't isolated, isolated and we, we mm-hmm. couldn't come to school and we missed out a lot of crucial socially, socializing mm-hmm. skills. skills and events and situations. And so mm-hmm. uh, I see a lot of social anxiety um, but a lot of it, depression, um, anxiety, and a lot of what the college students, we call it um, adjustment disorder. Mm-hmm. So meaning um, prob- most likely due to a change of, okay. of environment or mm-hmm. being in a new place like college or mm-hmm. entering a new situation. Um, so we may not blanket it over with just depression. anxiety. we say, hey, it might be more an adjustment disorder uh, with depression, anxiety type mm-hmm. of symptoms. And then the third, I would say, is definitely insomnia. Mm. Issues of sleep. Sleep is a huge thing too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We just had sleep week. Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. Hawking, did you have anything to add? Um, I think the only other thing that we see, because Viola has a lot of international students and global mm-hmm. students, that um, especially for them, just homesickness is yeah. kind of a mental health yeah. problem. They really totally. are. It's a huge transition for them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's bad enough if they come from New Hampshire and they come to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're away from their family and their friends and their their culture. Yeah. Um, but for international students, it's really a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. So that can kind of get a little bit mixed up with anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. like what what is due to what. So mm-hmm. it takes some, again, teasing out mm-hmm. what comes mm-hmm. from what, but yeah. it's important to remember that. Yeah. Not, not just for global students, but especially for them. Mm-hmm. But that homesickness and um, adjustment disorder is serious and mm-hmm. hard. It's, it's yeah. very real, and yeah, people shouldn't real. downplay that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, they miss their families, and they miss their friends, mm-hmm. and they're eating different foods, and mm-hmm. that really will affect your studies and your sleep and your mm-hmm. mental health mm-hmm. right yeah absolutely you're absolutely speaking my experience right now i'm <laughs> from i'm from texas mm-hmm. and um i'm like oldest daughter i have four younger siblings mm-hmm. at home and like didn't go home at all the first um, oh, first yeah. semester and yeah. so it was like 
really weird because um, I was having a fun time, but the whole time in the back of my mind, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I miss. Like, yeah. I just wish I was back with my friends. Mm-hmm. I just wish I was eating foods at home. Absolutely. Or, like, yeah. I wish I was going back to my um, my bed mm-hmm. bed tonight. Yeah. Um, and it was definitely hard because I would just kind of share, like, oh, I'm feeling really, like, this is a different city and culture than I'm used mm-hmm. to and like mm-hmm. obviously it's not as pronounced as global students but mm-hmm. um, it's real but yeah it's mm-hmm. it's really different and just college itself is its own culture and yeah. um, it was infuriating when people would just say it just it just takes time and I was like no it's so hard like <laughs> stop telling me that yeah I know it takes time I just it's annoying right now mm-hmm. absolutely yeah yeah um, well thank you for for um, letting me share about that. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's something that's more common and yeah. um, not talked about as much mm-hmm. or right. even considered as like, as, um, as hurtful sometimes mm-hmm. as yeah. something like social anxiety or mm-hmm. um, depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so we here at Grit are really big on female friendships. So mm. what are ways that maybe, um, women can love each other well on this campus um as a lot of a lot of us are struggling with mental health issues mm-hmm. well i i just agree with you mm-hmm. that female friendships are super important probably today on valentine's day is a good time to remember that mm-hmm. that's oh, yeah. not all about that romantic relationship mm-hmm. um you can have girlfriends that really are key in your life to mm-hmm. helping you with uh, mental health issues with you know just having a confidant having a friend having mm-hmm. someone to bounce ideas off of and again that's where I think social media gets us in trouble you know, you're seeing Facebook posts that are all glamorous and wonderful but you're not having a real heart-to-heart conversation right. that's going to be healing for you so yeah I think with mental health issues friendships are and spiritually too I think you know we all need accountability and that comes with relationships mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah. Very important at all ages of life. Mm-hmm. I feel like from, especially maybe from middle school on, mm-hmm. I think those female relationships are so helpful and such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first thing that popped up to my head was um, what who, like friends in my life who were most effective or just really helpful for me and I think for me and I think for maybe for many others would be just meeting people where they're at mm-hmm. um, and just just being a present person mm-hmm. um, I don't think people realize mm-hmm. the power of the ministry of presence mm-hmm. um, just a gentle reminder that hey I'm here for you um, and you're here for me and I don't need to tell you what to do or give you a bible verse sometimes I will and maybe that'd be helpful and sometimes yeah. I, you don't need that but mm-hmm. I'm just here present to be with you and to meet you where you're at and um, I'm not here to save you or to mm-hmm. um, like change your life God can do that but mm-hmm. I, I would just be here for you so I think yeah. the 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 power of presence I think is underrated but mm-hmm. it's so needed um, and so yeah whether you are even like I think sometimes it's funny when I see people texting each other when they're in the room together or like <laughs> watching a YouTube video. I mean like I think that's great because again there's something about being with others even mm-hmm. when you're doing that I'm mm-hmm. like that's great like there's power in that and that togetherness that you know right. you're doing it with a person yeah 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 Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Hawking, like what you said about social media and like kind of um, 
it gives this facade of presence yeah um right. but it's not real mm-hmm. or like genuine presence and it like it feels like you have a lot of friends mm-hmm. but like it's um not always reflective of the reality right. um and one thing I, I can share one thing that's been really helpful for me has been just like being able to take breaks from social media like mm-hmm. the first couple weeks of freshman year um my roommate and I both deleted Instagram because we were like everyone else looks like they're having a way better time Mm -hmm. and we don't want to see that right now Mm -hmm. because we know a it's not accurate yeah and then b it's just causing us to feel insecure and jealous of other people exactly so there's that comparison game that starts to come up and Mm -hmm. yeah and then I think we get competitive too about Mm -hmm. what we want to post to show everyone that we're doing great and that we're living a great life too yeah and then it kind of we kind of keep the cycle going yeah. <laughs> in that way too right. yeah mm-hmm. and it closes the door for like vulnerability Honesty. and yeah. accountability mm-hmm. and things exactly. like that yeah 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 well, i think i might go ahead and wrap this episode up sure. is there any any like last words anything you really want to put out there that you want to say um, I would just say, please, if you have any questions or concerns, even if they seem minor or you're like, oh, this is a dumb question, there's no dumb questions. And at the health center, we welcome questions um, about your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health. Um, we would love to have you come and make an appointment, sit with us, and mm-hmm. see if we can help you. Um, I think the one thing that popped up is not really related to, to okay. menstruation, but when we were talking about um, the disparity in, in women's health care. And mm-hmm. I was being reminded of um, women who, you know, one of the things that we always were trained in that when someone has a heart attack, it's always going to be left side of chest pain, jaw pain, and shortness of breath. Mm-hmm. And we're finding out that a lot of women don't experience that. Mm-hmm. They actually experience indigestion, flu-like symptoms, and very, these mild, vague symptoms that are not fatigue. quite, <laughs> fatigue, that are not quite associated with heart attack or MIs. Um, and I was just thinking about that because there wasn't a lot of research done where people were like researching what are the normal symptoms that women go through when they're mm. having a heart attack is mostly on men. So a lot of women get missed for having a heart attack because, yeah. you know, no one was really trained to look for these other kinds of symptoms. And mm-hmm. so I think um, what I would just encourage our, our female students is to learn as much as you can mm-hmm. about your body and be good advocates for yourself and for other women around you. Because I think a lot of things get missed mm-hmm. or, you know, downplayed, downplayed mm-hmm. or said, oh, you're, you're hysterical, you know, hysteria, oh, you know, like you're just being <laughs> emotional. Yeah. When it's like, oh, actually, I think this is a real thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're experiencing mm-hmm. something maybe probably serious. And so mm-hmm. um, to have that voice and to advocate and be empowered to advocate for not only yourself, but for other people in your life as well. Mm-hmm. But I was reminded of that, of how yeah. a lot of women get missed for heart attacks because yeah. we're not taught that. <laughs> and I wasn't taught that until later. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I didn't know that women had these Different kind of symptoms. vague symptoms that men men um, don't have. So, right. yeah, right. that was the only thing that popped up. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you all so much for being here. Um, thank you guys for the work that you're doing. And um, we recognize you as partners in this um, initiative to uplift women on campus yes. and um, care for their holistic well-being. Yeah. Um, thank you all so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, we are going to sign off. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Did I Talk Too Much? If you enjoyed this week's episode, we would love to hear from you. 
You can leave a rating and a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. To make sure you don't miss an episode every other week, be sure to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well to get the latest updates on upcoming events, new blogs, and question boxes where you have the chance to have your questions answered on the podcast. Our Instagram is at grit at Biola. Our blog is linked in our Instagram bio where you can hear from our staff writers and read more about our mission. Thanks again for tuning in. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily represent the beliefs of Biola University or the GRIT Editorial Board. All content is designed to inspire and challenge GRIT listeners to explore their gifting, foster resilience, gain insight, and develop tenacity.